It's been three and a half weeks since we planted that sun hemp on the east side of Veg Hill, and it's doing great. Now we've got to figure out what to do with the other spaces that are available for cover crops. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, And welcome to our podcast of July 8, 2010. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right with your comment, Lee, that we, we're sort of at a crossroads about what to do as far as cover crops uh, for the remainder of the summer and then moving into fall because we've had different advice about what makes for the best cover crop coming from different um, sources. Ro for example, Rodale, but you were going to talk a little bit about what Rodale had to say about cover yeah, crops. Jeff Moyer is their, um, I guess you'd call him their farm director. He gave a nice talk at Southern Sog about cover crops and he said, if you're serious about organic agriculture, you're paying as much attention or more attention to your cover crop as you are for your target crop. Now, that certainly is not descriptive of us. We certainly no. spend a lot more time and attention on our target crops, but it is convicting in the sense that if you're serious about keeping your soil uh, healthy and vibrant and ready to help you, you need to pay a lot of attention to what you keep planted on it when you're not growing your target crop. So we've got this stand of sun hemp out on the uh, east side of Veg Hill. We call it Veg Hill East. And uh, we planted it. I was just looking at the um, summary there. We planted it three and a half weeks ago. Mm. And it's um, above my knee now in several places and growing well everywhere. So we feel real good about the sun hemp and how it's doing. So now the question is, what do we do with Veg Hill West as the summer crops peter out or as things reach their natural termination right. point? And one thing that I read yesterday on a gardening blog, which I could tell you right offhand which one that is, but uh, it was someone who really um, knew a lot about cow peas, which... I don't. I just know I like to eat them. You know, the black-eyed peas and, you know, the different southern peas. But this individual suggested using planting cow peas as cover crop because they're great ni nitrogen fixers. What you have to do is cut them off before they flower. So you let them get nice and big. Okay. And what is the rationale for cow peas? Is this something you grow in the fall? Oh, for, for food, you would grow it. I think we can plant them now through about the 15th of July here in our zone eight. But they're, they're talking about growing just the green part, the leaves, for, um, to use for, to nitrogen strengthen the fixing. soil. Yeah, nitrogen fixing. Okay. And then you would not have any expectation of having peas form because you would no. cut them off before they flower. Before they even flower, right. And what would be the problem if you go ahead and let them form peas? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, you know, in other words, would you say that it could be that the, the fact that they're not um, 
left on the soil to enrich it or something. I honestly don't know. Hmm. But that's we have some extra cowpea seeds, so I thought it might be something we could do with them. Sure. And another candidate that we've talked about a good bit is daikon radishes. Daikon mm -hmm. radishes, to hear some of the folks on gardening organically talk about them, are just a miracle plant. <laughs> They'll grow in tough soil, I am told. They will thrive. They will form this nice big fruit underneath the soil. And then if you just cut them off after they have done that, lay the carcass on the soil and leave that big fruit in the soil, then it will rot and create organic, uh, you know, a feedstock for the critters down in the soil and really do wonders for the quality of your soil. The method that I have heard described primarily by Gloria on gardening organically is plant or daikon radishes one year, don't harvest them, cut them off, lay down the plants on the surface, come back the next year, plant them in between where you planted them before, again, don't harvest them, cut them off, leave them on the soil, and the third year, plant them again, but you can go ahead and harvest them the third mm -hmm. year. So that's the daikon radish strategy, and we already own some daikon radish seeds. We know we need to give that a try at least in a place or two. And then yesterday you came up with yet another possible strategy. Right, and this one was not anything new to either one of us. We've heard people at Southern Sog and elsewhere talking about use planting rye. Not rye grass. Not rye, rye grass. We, Lord knows, we've tried rye grass. Not as it, not actually as a nitrogen fixer. The rye grass was simply to hold the soil, but this, but rye would be another source of nitrogen to build the soil. Okay. And sending down deep enough roots that could help break it up a little bit. So rye is a legume. I think so. You're putting me on the spot. I'm not sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. We'll find that out, and yeah. we'll post it on the show notes page. I was thinking rye was not a legume and did not fix nitrogen. So That may be. We'll find that out. <laughs> but it was a suggested cover crop nonetheless yeah. for building healthy soil. All right. And, and also holding, uh, controlling erosion, which we have a problem with. We certainly do. And uh, for... Um, choking out unwanted weeds and that sort of thing. And that's, we still have a lot of weeds out there left over from when it was a wooded area, totally with uh, lots of devil's ivy and uh, beautyberry and other undesirables out there on the, um, on the hill. Yeah. So uh, we need to choke those out. And if we have something that's aggressive about doing that and also improves the soil quality, I'm all for that one. And I guess the bottom line on cover crops is, yes, do them. Whatever else you do, plant some kind of cover crop. Keep your, yeah. coil, keep your soil uh, protected when you're not using it for growing things. It controls erosion. It also strengthens the soil, increases biomass. Uh, so we know one way or to other, we've got to get a cover crop going wherever we're not actively cultivating. So... Uh, we will wor keep working on that, and we'll keep you posted. Well, I, another, um, I wouldn't say really a cover crop, although it could have functioned that way, that we had talked about in the past is planting wheat. 
Yeah, we've talked about intercropping wheat with pecans over on the green field right. over on the other side of the property. And we may end up still doing that, but it's interesting. Uh, why don't you talk about the visits you paid to a local farm where they sell wheat berries? Spent a, uh, had a nice visit with the folks at Oak View Farms Granary in Wetumpka. They're just down the road from us. And the most important thing I learned from Joe at Oak View Farms Granary is that there's no wheat that grows well in Alabama that you can use for bread flour. He, I thought he was selling wheat he had grown, but he said, no, all this came from Montana. <laughs> so it, it really was sort of a disappointment for me to learn that we didn't really have much of a plan that was viable anyway to grow wheat for flour on our farm. Right. I mean, you can grow it, and apparently it's used for some other purpose, right? Is it? I guess to feed, feed livestock right, or something right. like that. So we ended up buying a 50-pound bag of red wheat berries from Oak View, and we've uh, put it into individual Ziploc bags and stored it in our deep freeze. So we're fairly well fixed for wheat berries for the next season or so anyway. And on a more immediate note, I should add that uh, we ground up a good bit of it, and I've already made some blueberry whole wheat muffins with them. And I actually made some Toll House brownies. That's right. You use that flour. And both of those turned out really well, and our friends were impressed to hear that we had ground our own flour. I know. I think so, it really got the, their attention to yeah. find out that this was uh, ground up just a day or so before. So uh, it, it was good, and, and we're looking forward to using that wheat. But we will know it did not come from Alabama, and we could not grow it in Alabama. So if we're ever committed to completely living locally or eating locally, um, we would have to somehow do without just regular wheat bread. I guess we would use a lot of cornbread right? if we did that. Mm -hmm. and, and we may end up doing that at yeah, some point. may have to at some point. That's right. Fortunately, wheat berries travel well, store well, hold up well over time. So, you know, a, a big old load of red wheat berries, you, you could en envision a farmer in Montana putting them on a train, even a slow train, and having it travel across the country and still being good. So Yeah, so I like bread, and I hope I don't ever have to give it up. <laughs> I like bread, too, so. Yeah. Should, you, should we talk a little bit about what go, what is going on um, on Veg Hill? Yes, Farmer-in-Chief. Why don't you bring <laughs> us up to date on that? Well, I've been really pleased with the way our, my black-eyed peas are doing. They're, um, I think it's a cow pea, California number five, which doesn't sound as if it should describe anything that would do that well in Alabama, but that's one of my best crops. I wish I had planted a lot more of those, and, and I will next year. And getting more prolific every day. Yes, yes. They're really... Uh, Finding their pace now. I mean, what do you think? That's about a five-foot row I've got there or six-foot. It's not Something a lot. Something like six or seven. I foot, wish yeah. I'd planted a lot more of those. But, you know, who knew? This is. I'm still, even though we planted some last summer, I'm still considering this experimental garden. Maybe and didn't it, you plant some more, a couple of rows over? I planted, yes. I transplanted some. When I thinned those plants, I actually tried transplanting some of them, and they did well. So they're liking it here and may not have as many you know, bugs or something after them. I, I don't know exactly why they're doing well, but they are. So, And they still taste good, picking and eating them right off the, the uh, vine there. They well, are you're eating, eating. you're eating them when they're in their 
you know, tender stage. Unapologetically, I'm right. Add. And when they get to the point that they're, um, and I have at least since last week seen this happen, when they get to the point they're really ready to be picked, the holes turn slightly yellow and get loose around there, okay. and they're easier to shell. That's a that's helpful. But I don't think they'll taste the holes are tasted good when they get to that point. Right. Uh, but they are ready to to harvest. So anyway, that's been a success, and I plan to plant more of those next year. I have already put out purple hole peas. Uh, pink eye purple hull to be specific that tend to grow really well in this area and they've already germinated and come up and they're looking happy along with my lima beans that are uh, all of these seeds the lima beans and the um, pink eye purple hull I bought the seed at a local store um, around here uh, what's Dillard's Dillard's is the name of it here in Tallis East Tallahassee so you know we'll see how those do when they mature uh, our corn is looking good it's uh, the part of it that actually it did germinate and came up, uh, the, the um, true platinum white sweet corn is, um, it's it's grown, I mean, most of it's probably, what would you say, five feet tall or so now? Something like a lot that. Of it. And I noticed uh, just a few Tasseling. minutes ago when I was walking around mm -hmm. down there that um, the ears are forming good. on the corn, which is good. Yeah, it was nice to see. Our tomatoes, we've finally been able to harvest some tomatoes. They're small and... I'm getting a lot of them while they're green because I don't want pests to get them. And the tomatoes really seem to have found their pace now that they're on a trellis. Yes. The, the main body of tomatoes is trellis. The, there are some others that are um, not yet trellis because they're not yet big enough to worry right, about. Right, right. But the ones that are are trellised and they're getting more light and more air and they're doing mm -hmm. well. And I noticed lots of new blossoms on the Sweet 100s oh, a few good. minutes ago. And a um, couple of new blossoms on the, um, what is it, Big Boys? Burpee Big Boy. Yeah. And we have some Homestead. Okay. So and and the the ones that are small that you were referring to those are the Cherokee purples that I started from seed, yeah. and I'd say we have about five or six plants out of that lot that are probably going to make it, and um, there about two or three of them are getting nice and large. And will need to be trellised. Yes. And a couple of them we could probably get by with just putting a, a stray cage yeah. over this one yeah. or that one and and. Um, give them the support mm -hmm. they need. So they're coming along. Um, we harvested some of our eggplant the other day from the a little bit of Black Beauty, a Gretel eggplant that was really good. We didn't even have to peel that one. It was a, It's a white eggplant. I could go for more of that. I know. I'll plant more really of those nice. next year. And then um, I think uh, we've got some um, Ichiban, or is it Ichiban? Ichiban, maybe? I don't know. It's Japanese. You're the multicultural person. Well, I'm going to call it. Ichiban for now, but those are long, thin um, eggplants that are, we've actually harvested some of those before and they were really good. So those are coming along. I started some Rosita eggplants from seed. Uh-oh. I know, you're about to hear a sad story. And uh, I just, they were my babies. I took care of them and got them out and set them out last week. And luckily in two different places. And I don't know, did you check the second place no, yet? Um, but one of the places was up not too far from the you know, the north end, the, not the barn side, I guess, closest to where we actually engage in most of our activity up here. And um, But in the, well within the fence, the deer fence. Um, and one night I got out there and watered them, and they looked fine, little, just little seedlings. I had put cutworm protection out there in the form of a nail, 
so I don't think it's cutworms, but I think you can probably tell what's coming. The next morning I walked out, they were gone. There was mystery. one left. Total mystery. mystery to us. And I have a theory. The theory is that maybe it could be birds. I had put some safflower seed out to attract birds to the garden to help them, because I've read that that's a good thing to do, so, so that they'll eat some of the worms and, you know, the Things like cutworms and caterpillars that, that are bad for plants. Maybe some grasshoppers along the way. Um, and I'm thinking those birds, maybe because some of the safflower seeds were germinating in the soil, that it just was too tempting to pick up that little tender shoot from the... Um, or maybe even the shoot just got in the way of yeah. of a safflower seed and they took it out. So yeah. that's a possible uh, yeah. explanation. I mean, there was no trace of them. This is what I'm thinking. If it had been a cutworm or something else or just a... a yeah, there'd be a dead plant there. Yeah, but there was nothing. It's as if yeah. they were never planted. So, yeah, like you said, it's a mystery. We'll, we'll check on that some more. Um, I did start some new seed for the fall garden just the other day and already... One of the, the premium uh, late flat Dutch cabbage is already just going bonkers. So um, it, those those little seedlings, cabbage, cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, and broccoli are in various stages of beginning to germinate. When for you the fall say garden. Uh, put them out, you're talking about starting seed. I started know? the seed right. No, I didn't put them in the garden. I didn't mean to say that, but I I put the seed in the little individual pots and uh, individual. Um, cells mm -hmm. with some good mater dirt soil. The mater dirt is what we bought in Auburn last year. Right. That's nice, rich soil. And watered them real well, put a dome over them, and they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, oh, back to the garden. One thing that's going well is edamame. Edamame seems to like it here. Yes, and I will, I will be even more excited about edamame when I see little edamame pods beginning to form. So far, we've got nice, healthy plants. And some flowering, isn't Do, there some? And some flowering, yeah, that's so. right. So we're hoping that edamame is not far behind. Because we plant. love edamame. Yeah, we, we could do with some edamame. We would love to have some a local source, truly right. local source. And we did some mulching on the hill last week. We're trying to work on the erosion situation. We have uh, hay that comes from our friend Joe Jeffcoat, um, and for which he uses no spray, which is uh, rare these days. Normally, people who produce hay spray it with, um, what's that awful stuff? Oh gosh, I, I cannot can't remember, remember the name. The name. Yeah, but there's a chemical that's in almost all hay because they use it to control broadleaf weeds, and um, Joe's careful not to use it in his hay, and therefore um, makes it very helpful to us. And we've been spreading that hay around to control erosion on Veg Hill because we have a slight incline on Veg Hill, so um, any kind of heavy rain can deal us fits if we don't right. have some yeah. things in place to slow down that velocity yeah. of the water. So we We've used up all that hay, you might mention, and we, we, we are have ordered more. We are out of Joe's hay now and waiting for him to bring us some more, and I think we'll probably be hearing from in the next day or so. Um, we've had a couple of issues with the drip irrigation system. Um, one was what we hope is a problem with the module in the controller went out, and as a result, we could not water at all on Veg Hill East for a couple of days. 
we eventually bypassed it long enough to get some water on it and then with the help of Irrigation Mart in Louisiana we're able to figure out what the problem is and they're shipping us a new module so we're hoping that that, will, that problem will be solved. We also have a sprinkler for the mushroom logs that's kind of clogged up and not really sprinkling smoothly. I'm, I have a theory that it may be because of a drop in pressure because of all these problems we've had with the filter. Right. So I'm, I've got to install the new filter anyway, so I'm going to install it and see if we see an improvement in the sprinkler. And if we don't, then we'll call the irrigation mark and see what we need to yeah. do. To They've been very helpful to you, haven't they, when they you have, have questions and problems? And um, then I guess at some point we probably need to do, and maybe we can do this next week, sort of an overall summary of what we've done to manage the heat here in the middle of the summertime in central Alabama. Uh, right. So far we've turned the air conditioner on only once and just because company was coming. Um, we've but, and you and I have been comfortable, but we've had some issues that we need to talk right. And I think we talked about last week the dehumidifier. We've we used did. that when we need to. And, of course, that makes it feel cooler because the humidity is part of what makes you feel hot. So uh, we use that when we need to. Yeah. But, yeah, we can talk about that next week. I guess now we've, we're just about out of time for Probably today. Probably time to say goodbye. So we'll uh, ha be hanging around here again next week. Hope you have a good one. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.